My name is Brett Q. I don't play hockey, and I do not listen to Nickelback. But I still like Canadians, so I listen to the Big MX radio show. started big mx radio brought to you by meta is on the air fueled by passion focused on motocross fly racing bills pipes w wheels motul mx x brand goggles moto ice wrap and moto stuff make it possible to bring you the news the interviews and the point of views Inside the sport of motocross, the gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, Bill's Pipes, and X-Brand Goggles. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got none other than James Hansen, who's a rock star rep. Um, at the races, um, James, how's it going? Um, fantastic. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad to have you here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing. Uh, I think um, I, I'm not the only one, and maybe a few of my listeners are wondering who is James Hansen and what does he do. Well, I, uh, I'm the global motocross manager for Rockstar, and uh, you know, I love I love dirt bikes and I love dirt bike racing, and um, so I'm very lucky to be in a position to manage all of our dirt bike related stuff globally. And, uh, you know, it's cool not only because, you know, I grew up a fan and then I, and I went pro and, um, didn't make it, but every time the gate drops, I'm really excited. (laughs) Even watching, you know, I got past that, that, uh, that initial part of watching being tough, but, but, uh, it's cool being the global motocross manager because it forces me to learn other, other, uh, sports you know on dirt bikes and, and globally and follow them and it it's really kind of uh, broadened my horizons for the sport and true respect for everyone in every discipline absolutely i gotta imagine uh when you're a global uh manager uh that's uh not a single so not a single stone unturned as far as racing goes um do, or do you manage things specifically on the, the professional level or uh, does it dive into the uh, the amateur ranks as well uh, everything, everything that, oh, wow. that has knobbies basically. So, um, our amateur program isn't as strong as what it used to be when, you know, at one point when we were Suzuki, I had 28 amateur kids, which is ridiculous. And, and the whole pro team. And, uh, we had some different countries back then, but, um, with Husqvarna, the amateur program, they, they have a plan to build it. They want to start with trackside support to support everybody that's riding Husqvarna. So they aren't sponsoring a couple kids and turning people away. Um, so it'll start with that. And then we, we do have a couple kids now, um, but on a small scale, so they'll start with support and then they'll start to have a, an amateur program, probably five or six kids. And then we'll get the ball rolling on the amateur stuff from there. And, uh, I'm actually really excited to get that stuff going again. 
and uh, watch the kids grow up. 28 amateur athletes. That's a lot of emails, man. Oh, yeah. You know what it's a lot of is ordering apparel. Yeah. <laughs> All those addresses and, and one click for every shirt. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't ever want to have that many amateur athletes again. And wow. <laughs> the cool thing with the, with the global stuff is we send a container where with every athlete in the U.S., I send each of them individually. And it's, the process is so slow of just sending an apparel order. <laughs> but you have to. I'll send the team their stuff all in one, but you have to send the athletes theirs directly so you know, so they can't mess with you and say, oh, I didn't get any beanies. Martin got all the beanies, or, you know what I mean? So they don't oh, yeah, always totally. try, yeah, yeah, yeah. try to pull you. something to get an extra hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, uh, uh, I've got a, I've got a, a shipment slip that says uh, delivered, so uh, what do you have to say for yourself? Yeah, exactly. Because I, I used to just ship it all to the, the shop, it was so much easier, and they'd be like, oh, we didn't get anything. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have some really cool stuff. You go go on 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 the website and 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 check out uh, the apparel and uh, just week to week watching uh, the guys from Star and the the, the Husqvarna guys uh, wearing the uh, the big star on the hat and the the t-shirts and stuff like that. It's a really cool look, and uh, I think that uh, a lot of people can rock it with a lot of confidence. And that's not something you can say about all brands. Right, yeah, it's a good clean logo, and, and I think uh, a lot of our designs are, are subtle in a way. Um, I'm not I'm not saying everything is subtle. I mean, our star is really big on some things, but uh, I, I think we have a good logo, and it, and it doesn't look all crinkled up, you know, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think, yeah, I think we have a good, a good look and a good image, and I think it's um, recognized now, you know. You, don't, you can have the star, and then you don't have to have any words. Everyone knows what it is. So I, I think that uh, uh, I can tell you where the star was pretty obvious was right across my chest just uh, two weeks ago Sunday at uh, the Regina National uh, for the uh, uh, Rockstar uh, CMRC Canadian National uh, Round Four of that series when uh, I was able to perform all four of the uh, the post race interviews it was pretty cool to uh, to draw to don the star for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's uh that's probably got to be a pretty good time doing those interviews and being at the track and and yeah. uh, talking to those guys. One thing about motocross that I've learned is there's not one person in the sport I don't like. Everybody has their little bickers and their their clicks, and I just kind of watch from afar because I just basically like everyone. Yeah. There's no one really that bad in the sport. I mean, it takes a special kind of person to ride dirt bikes, and most of the guys in the industry did that at some level, and and so basically, I like everyone. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, no, motocross people inherently like to work in the industry. You had to be passionate about it. So we're talking about yeah. the uh, the upper five percent or the upper one percent of those who go to the racetrack, and those are the same people who uh, like if you don't have an extra uh, pre mixed gas, they help you out. You blow a tire on the way home, they help you out. You don't you your bike breaks down halfway through the day, they help you out. And um, that that type of person is woven through the fabric of this community uh, over and over again. So uh, hard to find too many uh, uh, real bad people out there, if any. Yeah, that that uh, what you just said really brought me back to growing up racing, and, and that is that's a very valid point. I never really think about, but yeah, it's the same people that let you borrow their tools or will give you a, a part off their spare bike, or you know, <laughs> they yeah. might end up needing it later, <laughs> but oh, but totally. they uh, they will help you get through the day, and it's always it's always been such a cool sport in that in that manner. 
I think there's a good portion of people that are, are great motocross friends, and if they really looked back at where their motocross uh, relationship ended or started, it was probably needing or uh, borrowing a uh, an eight mil T handle or a ten mil wrench. Right, or or you just went to a series race. It was three days, and you parked next to him randomly, exactly. and then you end up sharing hamburgers because we didn't have a good diet back then. No, we didn't. <laughs> Uh, but we, didn't uh, but even we know. did have uh, matching 125s, 250s. I know I have that at home. And uh, I'm not oh, yeah. sure what year, but you had some pretty sweet-looking Yamahas back in the day. And you're a guy who used to twist the throttle uh, with the best of them. Uh, tell me a little bit about your time uh, uh, behind bars. Yeah, well, for sure, uh, growing up, I, I uh, we didn't have a lot of money. And, and we actually moved from California up to Oregon in the middle of the woods on Mount Hood. And randomly moved in next to a, a motorcycle track, uh, Mountain View Cycle Park. And I went over there, and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And so I ended up working there, flagging and watering and saving up money to buy a YZ80 that blows up the first time. And then, uh, <laughs> so, then I don't get another bike till I'm 16. And uh, my mom actually just took me down with a credit card, maxed it out, bought me a bike. And uh, I ended up turning pro in like three and a half years long story short and, and, uh, didn't really have a lot of money, just kind of made do with what we could. And I, I work 40 to 50 hours a week and, and, uh, rode like, you know, I'd ride after work or, or, you know, kind of switch days, work other days and, and just kind of try to ride as much as I could and, and still get a good paycheck. And then my dad worked full time and we kind of split the cost of it and, and, <clears throat> We were able to go racing for quite a few years and win some championships at, you know, in the intermediate class and, and junior class and pretty close in, in the pro class to win some championships. And uh, basically the farthest I made it was arena cross. And that was really cool back then, like you were saying, because we still raced 125s and 250s in arena cross back then. Yeah. And they were just back-to-back main events. It, it, it was fun. And, and there was some, uh, some fun characters uh, running amok as well, I'm sure. In arena cross, yeah. <laughs> I think it was probably the least professional of the professional series <laughs> in motocross so, at the time. What years did you race uh, arena cross? Uh, it was like 99, 2000, 2001, oh, maybe right 2002, um, sparingly. So I didn't have money like to get to a lot Holland. of them. But yeah. That's... Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. Rusty used to come up to Washington and race the Packways Pack West series and yeah. he always parked with us. And he that guy was so crazy. <laughs> he, would, he would get every hole shot and he was just so wide open, like on and off the bike. <laughs> and and completely oblivious to, to, to the fact of that he is like that. Like he's completely this, this is just Rusty. Yeah. I, I, that's that's how I am. I like he runs into you, Oh, sorry man, I didn't I didn't realize I was gonna smash you there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was exactly like that. It was pretty funny, though. He, sometimes people get mad at him, but it really was just him, and he won anyway. So, <laughs> oh yeah, and like you can't deny the speed. And what it, a lot of it came down to is just like um, Rusty just do doing what he does best, man. And the guy still uh, hauls ass to this day. But uh, I, I remember him obviously from coming up and racing Canada. Um, any any time where you uh, broke the uh, the border to uh, to twist the throttle or no? Yeah, no, I've never ridden up there. I've I've been up there several times with Supercross, just working, and and I've been up there in an RV following a music tour. Um, 
and uh, been up to Whistler a couple times, but I never have gotten a ride up there at all. And I always thought, you know, I went, I went to Calgary. I, I went to a couple tracks, and I always thought the tracks looked really cool up there. I thought they looked like a lot of fun. Well, there's definitely the funny thing about uh, that Regina track that I was at, bro, a province that is flat as a board. It's actually got some uh, some elevation changes and some uh, some valleys and stuff like that. Um, seemed like the guys, oh, especially with the the Rockstar OTFSS or OTSFF uh, guys, yeah. were, uh, were were hauling the mail and uh, putting in a good show for uh, for the company. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we're we're pretty strong across the board everywhere and it's really cool um i we got those guys up there and you know they're they're fighting for a championship davy Millsaps is you know i'm not really surprised but maybe a little bit but <laughs> he uh he's definitely hauling the mail up there and uh that that's cool for him for sure to uh to find something something to do and excel at again but uh i mean it's not over and, and those guys definitely have a shot at it and uh you know we've won we won last year with gurky and and I was surprised he beat, beat Medi. <laughs> yeah, honestly. So um, we have, we have a pretty solid team out there. What's uh, what was it like, uh, kind of uh, negotiating uh, with a guy like Metcalf, who's uh, like, like in for the most part, and I guess the twilight of his career. The guy's been at it racing pro for almost uh, uh, 12, 12, 15 years now, and um, but uh, a great athlete uh, and a great ambassador to the sport, as well as uh, all all sponsors who uh, who back him. Uh, and I believe uh, the reason why he's on the Yamaha team has has a lot to do with uh, the Rockstar deal. Yeah, he's. I mean, he Medi's one of the best dudes ever to race a dirt bike for sure. Um, he, uh, you know, in a sense, is an amazing employee. Where. Some people you have to, if you look at it like that, some people you have to tell them to do certain parts of the job where he's always just, he's always, he's very professional and he knows what's required of him off the bike. Yeah. And he's just a, I mean, he's a great dude. He has a great attitude. He's fun to hang out with and, you know, he's, he's just awesome. So with our past relationship, you know, we obviously, he was close to us with his personality and we kind of treat everyone like a family member with Rockstar, you know, and, and, you know, we'd like to continue with people, especially if they've been with us for a while, if we can, you know, continue with them through their career and beyond. And, uh, so he was always one of our favorite people. So it, you know, it's a no brainer to continue working with, like you said, a great ambassador. Um, so, uh, given the fact that uh, you were at one time an athlete that, uh, probably would have loved to have been sponsored by, uh, by Rockstar Energy Drink, well, what kind of athlete would you have been uh, to, toward your uh, your brand manager or those who who kind of handle you? Uh, if you were if you were to manage yourself, uh, what, what kind of athlete would you be? You know, it would I would be really easy because I grew up with you know very little yeah. and had to work for everything I ever got. Everything you know, I bought my my cars. I bought you know, except for one one bike. I I had to work for everything. So I appreciate anything I could ever get. So there's certain people out there that are just very appreciative and, you know, for any opportunity. So I would have been kind of like that. Just whatever you want me to do. You want to do a photo shoot? Okay. I'll ride all day. You know, <laughs> that's, I'll hit this jump 300 times if you want me to, where, you know, that's a, that's a thing with, with athletes now sometimes that with photo shoots are always like, Ugh. we we just need to do our photos. And, but I mean, they're, they're at the top. But I think I would still be the same person I am now. I, I, I mean, I've never really changed. 
and I don't think I ever would for any reason. So, um, appreciative, I guess, would be the word, and and uh, easy to manage. <laughs> Do you think you'd continue to put red plastics on a 1999 Yamaha? Yeah, well, see, that was a thing back in the day. Um, I put well, I had I had red on initially, and then I went to yellow when I was sponsored by NCY. Yeah. But I. Uh, when I put the red on, I didn't have any sponsors, so I had no stickers on my bike at all. And, and I had a red front fender and a red rear fender. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, at that point, it was MSR gear with an Axo jersey, but I wore a chest protector because I broke my collarbone and they cut the jersey off, but I couldn't afford another jersey. So, and I was winning championships with stickers on my bike and mismatched gear. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not about what you look like. It's about the lap times, man. And I... Uh, pretty much a, a, a definition of that at that time. For any of those who don't already, go follow uh, uh, Professor296 uh, on the Instagram and uh, endless photos, uh, both uh, personal and uh, some, uh, some stuff from the races as well as uh, an archive of photos from uh, your old racing days, which are uh, pretty, pretty entertaining to say the least. You had some, uh, some pretty interesting setups back in the day, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, after I got some sponsors and stuff, my bikes started looking a little better. And then uh, at that point, you know, when you have new gear and new graphics, you actually do go faster. So if you already were going fast without stickers, (laughs) and then you get new gear and stuff, you feel so good that that you go faster. So that that was a step in the right direction for speed when I got, you know, sponsors, so... Oh, I, I totally agree. My uh, my 2016 KTM was fast until I put my brand new graphic kit on there. That was five horsepower right there, and uh, really made the difference making those Dunlops hook up big time. Still there? Yeah, you fizzled out. Oh, sorry, you kind of faded. Um, yeah, so the, the, my my graphics were adding five horsepower, making those Dunlops uh, hook up. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean. Brand new graphics add, yeah, at least five horsepower and brand new gear. And, and especially now that all my gear has Rockstar stuff on it or, you know, it looks factory. So when I show up to the track now, I have to, I have to perform because everyone's like, who is that? No <laughs> Interesting story last year. Uh, I got, it was my first Husky 252 stroke. I guess it was like a year and a half ago. And uh, so I just they just put the team graphics on it before they sent it to me. I hadn't been racing, I hadn't been riding much and so I just kind of started riding again and uh um started doing riding like at least once every couple of weeks or a month. And Jimmy Weiner training facility had a race coming up and Jimmy's my buddy, so he was like, You gotta come race. It was a two day race and so I didn't have numbers on it. <laughs> so I went down to the local shop right by my house to get numbers and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get number one. <laughs> so yeah, I put yeah, number yeah. one on the bike and then <laughs> just thinking it was a joke. And so I show up and in the Rockstar van for the Rockstar Easy Up and this rock bike with Rockstar team graphics with a number one on it. <laughs> so I ended up getting guy five out of, and who yeah. does he think he is? <laughs> exactly. So I ended up getting five out of six hole shots. And winning all six motos and won a bunch of money, but so it really justified the number one. 
Could you imagine <laughs> the the rumors that were going around? It's Jason Anderson. Yeah, uh, it's so and so. Like, yeah, no, it's it's ever like everything under the book. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. I did it as a joke, but then I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta win now. <laughs> kidding. That's uh, it, it, that's probably the best motivation going is just make sure that uh, you don't you don't look like a fool. Yeah, see, I put that number one on there, and it added horsepower. But clearly it did, because you, you had the stock exhaust system on there at the time. Yeah, and I was hole-shotting 450s off of concrete on 252-stroke. So, <laughs> And I never got good starts growing up. I didn't get good starts until I was in my 30s, and I really wanted them, because I just wanted to get the whole shot and pull away. I didn't want to come through the pack and get roosted. So my whole life growing up, I... I don't know if it was a confidence thing or what, but I felt like I came, I rode better coming through the pack. I don't know what it was, but I never got whole shots until I was in my thirties and now I get them all the time. (laughs) Saying that there's hope for me. I have been starting at the back of the pack since the very beginning. Um, but uh, you're saying that there's hope. Yeah. You know what you, you, it started, it's weird. This focus thing where when the card goes sideways and you stare at the gate, I kind of go into a, like a pinhole vision, almost like blacking out, and I can only see my gate, and I can't hear any of the other bikes, and as soon as it drops, I go, and it seems to be, it came to me naturally, just way too late, (laughs) but I'm enjoying it now. (laughs) Right on, man. Well, uh, you you got the the two strokes now. At one point, you rode uh, four strokes. What kept kept you coming back to the the, the friendly uh, two-bangers? Because... Um, honestly, for me, it's just, it's all about being able to work on them and, and not having to haul them off to a shop all the time. Because when it comes to four strokes, um, if they break real bad, it's, it's, it's done. And if they break it all, it's a big bill. So, uh, but with two strokes, it's 200 bucks and you're, you're back, you're back in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I grew up racing them and, and I think my style is like conformed to that. Yeah. And I rode four strokes for not not very long and i think that i just ride the two-stroke better but the biggest thing as far as riding is i think they're way more fun they're they're more challenging and it, i don't know the 450 and 250 four strokes i feel like are they're too easy to ride and it's not as fun except for the 450 i don't ride enough is one reason why i don't want to ride those yeah. because they're they're scary totally <laughs> Straight out of the box, they're so fast, and if you aren't riding all the time, and if you're like me, when you go out and ride, you have to still go as fast as you can. You're, you're not going out there, and you know, like even if it's for two laps, yeah. it's just that will never go away. Yeah, so everything. the 450, yeah, and the 450 can can hurt you. So <laughs> that's one reason. But but uh, I just I love the way two strokes sound and feel and ride and just the whole aura of them. Just you know that everything about them and and but. Also, a very big thing is is the the maintenance. Like you were saying, I you know I can work on them. I don't even know if something happens on a four stroke. I don't even know what's wrong with it. I, I don't know. <laughs> the only thing I ever built was a lawnmower and automotive. You know. And <laughs> yeah. Is, so, is it the piston? The <laughs> yeah. Spark plug. <laughs> yeah. So a two stroke, I can tear them down. I I I had a couple times growing up split cases but i don't like it i would i would never do that myself anymore and yeah um but i can do top ends and, and anything that that breaks i can figure it out and fix it um 
unfortunately, when I lived in Washington, I had my dad and I lived with a mechanic who was my mechanic, so I really never had to do anything. Now that I moved to North Carolina, I have to do everything. So <laughs> there you go. What uh, what, I don't what inspired the move? Is that specifically just for your uh, your line of work? No, actually, with my line of work, I can really technically live forever. They or anywhere, <laughs> but forever. Uh, they, maybe Rockstar I've has that wanted. ability. I don't know. I, I've <laughs> yeah, I don't the know. Caffeine and the taurine, but maybe living forever. Yeah, like for a life. I guess we'll find we'll find out because it hasn't been around long enough for anyone to live forever. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm still alive, so so far I'm living forever. Uh, but they they uh, they always wanted me to move to California, and I always said I'd never leave Washington. And I I uh, the big thing really for me was I would never go to California. <laughs> I don't I don't like it down there. I don't like traffic and and people honking and everyone's uptight and and you know you waste how much of your life sitting in traffic. You know if you're sitting yeah. in traffic three to four hours a day, like that's so much life in 10 years. So I just, I don't like it. And I, and I think that, you know, where, where I live now, I actually, I moved for a girl who I'm now marrying, um, in a couple months, but was basically it was, uh, thanks. It was just, uh, I'm never really scared to just jump into things because you know, you only do live once and maybe I'm not going to live forever. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so there was an opportunity. I had to see where it would go. So I moved over here and, and it was exciting just, to pick up and move from the Northwest to the Southeast, you know, like as far as you could go almost. And, uh, turns out there's 12 tracks that I've been to within three hours, two and a half hours of me. And they're all amazing. And, and so for riding, it's, it's awesome here. There's, there's tracks everywhere. Um, I mostly go to Winert cause he's my buddy. And, and I just kind of, if I do ride, it's like, Oh, at noon or something. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not working anymore today, you know? So, because you basically in this kind of, kind of position, you work seven days a week. It's some, it's to some extent, you know. So, yeah, there's there's, um, never, there's no true day off, and I can only imagine, uh, especially because you're the global uh, manager, uh, that you could literally receive an email at any time of day at all, or night. I mean, or you know, night, and, yeah, and I've like, learned because <laughs> they're in it's Europe. Five o'clock but, somewhere. Mean, yeah, well, I've learned though over the years too. I just let them go sometimes. I mean, you, you gotta separate and, and I've, I actually have a work phone and a, and a personal phone and I've kept it that way because I can go in and eat dinner at a restaurant and leave my work phone behind and I've, I've been able to separate and not have anxiety about it. And so it makes your life way better if you can, if you can, you know, establish that and separate. So you're not, I mean, I haven't turned the sound on on my work phone for years, though, because the sound of the email sound, like, gives me shudders. <laughs> like, oh, God. Ding, ding. No. <laughs> Don't email me. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, your phone's having an aneurysm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like a 125 going through the uh, wolf section. Yeah, yeah. Actually, cool thing about uh, 125s. Oh, not cool thing about 125s, so... <laughs> I lost my finger about three years ago. Yeah. Three and a half years ago. Um, so occasionally my hand will come off. Like on, on my 250 two-stroke, it's only, it, it happens like if I'm seat bouncing something and it's no big deal because yeah. you're sitting down and you're, you're, you're in a, your body is in a position to just put your hand back on. Well, I found out on the 125 twice in the last few weeks that with the 125, you have to ride so aggressively and you're yanking on it. It's happened twice 
in the last three weeks, and yesterday I saved it, <laughs> and it was right before a big fourth gear pin jump, and three weeks ago I was at south of the border and I didn't save it, <laughs> and it was dirty. Yeah, it was, uh, they actually, because all the star Yamaha guys are out there, they, they've been tilling it really deep and making it rough for them. Um, obviously it's paying off for Cooper. Uh, but they actually built braking and accelerating bumps and with the cat before we even rode. And it was the second day without him touching the track. And, uh, there was accelerating bumps before a triple that were like, whoops. <laughs> and so I was basically stuttering them. I was back on the fender. And when my hand came off, there was no hope to even try to save anything. Um, so that was a big one. And then yesterday, there's that, this big jump, and you have to rail a berm, and there's a single before it. So I was yep. wheeling the single to try and almost make it on the 125. I, it was really hard to make it. I think I only got over it twice. But as I pulled up to wheelie over that bump, my hand came off. And uh, I got it back on and hit the brakes in time and, and saved it. But I immediately went back to the truck and called Max from Fly and told him I need sticky grips. And <laughs> <laughs> I need and them a certain kind of gloves. Any of your pro riders need them. Like, which finger yeah. is it? It's my left index finger. So, <clears throat> which was my clutch finger my whole life. And right. So after after that happened, I had to learn a new clutch finger, which was very weird at first. It's really hard to keep it on the clutch when you're going through a rhythm section or something because yeah. you were used to holding on with it. Uh, and I got used to that pretty quick. And I actually now wish I would use my middle finger on my clutch my whole life because I think you have way more control and leverage. But that leaves me hanging on with my two smallest fingers yeah. on the outside, which don't really oppose the thumb. Right, so right, right. really yeah, the only I'm, opposition I'm is... Guy. Yeah. And then so you have your index finger opposing your thumb. So, I mean, I still have half of it, So, but it's not enough, and it doesn't wrap around. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, with the 125, the way you're yanking on it, and I thought about getting a Husky 125 and now I wouldn't just because of it because <laughs> on the yeah. 250 there's enough power where you're not you have the power to pull up the front wheel or, or you know so you're not really yanking on it and so it's like I did it four years ago and the only two times it's happened bad are in the last three weeks and I, so I'm attesting to that and also the humidity because I'm so sweaty <laughs> yeah <laughs> and my Things gloves are slip. soaking wet yeah so I was thinking about spraying glue on my gloves, actually. <laughs> hey, whatever gets the job done, man. Uh, what do you do as far as gloves go? Like, do you, didn't you get a brand new set? Do you just let that one finger kind of flap, or do you cut it off at the at the wherever your your, your little like your nub is? Or <laughs> yeah, nub. <no. laughs> I uh, I used to I used to tape it down. Now I just let it flap in the wind. I, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, it's just an empty finger yeah <laughs> it doesn't really matter i i think i taped it down in the beginning because i didn't want it to catch on something or pinch and something but that's not really ever going to happen so um i just put my gloves on there for the most go. part and now now i change them three times a day <laughs> well and, and and they all have rockstar on them so uh you're, you're ready to go yeah exactly uh, max, um, max from fly takes really good care of me so that's good. Max, great guy from Fly. Even uh, especially yeah. Dale Spangler over there. Uh, a huge shout out to those guys for sponsoring this podcast. They've hooked me up uh, with uh, a, a set of the uh, the, the mesh. Um, 
the 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 Rockstar stuff. Love it. Um, looks good on the uh, on the KTM. But uh, um, one thing I was going to mention about that KTM, you mentioned you like to do you, you can easily do a top end. Have you have you been able to do a, a top end on that motorcycle without even taking the tank off? Because I can't imagine. I can't believe how much space is above the head on that uh, on that motorcycle. I did. I did one. I can't. I think so. I. The, the the thing is, is like with the Husky, everything the first time you try to work on it, you're like, how? What? What? Yeah. I don't understand. Even what am changing I changing the oil? You're like, what? Yeah. Right. I was calling Ryan Sites to change the oil. I actually was calling Ryan Sites like, where is? Because I think the first one I got, I didn't even get a, a manual. Yeah. Um. Because I get I get demos, and the first one came fully assembled. Um. The last one came in a crate and it had a manual. But the first time I was calling her inside, like, seriously, I can't figure out, how to, like, how do I change the oil? I don't want to just start unscrewing <laughs> things. And, and you couldn't Google anything. I tried to Google it. Like, yeah, how, yeah. How, do you, how do you change the oil and how do you take the side cover off to take the filter out? Oh, there's no bolts in it. <laughs> yeah, so just pull up The funny thing, thing. Is, is, yeah, the funny thing is, is it's hard to figure out at first, but then once you figure it out, it's like, oh, my gosh, so easy yeah. and yeah. convenient. And yeah, you can. I'm pretty sure I took the cylinder off. You don't have to. You don't have to take the subframe off. Like no. you can just. And 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 the carb is down is down below, so you don't even have to take the carburetor off. No, you just literally just unbolt things, pop off new piston ring. Yeah. Uh, bearing good. In, in it goes. Bike starts up again. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's wild. So way better than a four stroke. And, and the sound you get to make, and like, cause cause like. When you make sounds of a motocross bike, when you're just like in conversation, you don't make four stroke sounds. You make two stroke sounds. No, yeah, nobody Therefore, does. Unless you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, nobody does. It doesn't sound cool. Yeah, you're and it doesn't like, even explain the the situation. You can't be like, this is how the track went. <laughs> exactly. You'd be like making four stroke sounds. No, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no like conjugation or whatever to like different sounds exactly you can tell exactly how steep the jump was or if you're sitting down or seat bouncing <laughs> you know yeah exactly i was like seat bouncing. yeah yeah <laughs> hey everybody this is jimmy button former factory supercross rider you're listening to the big mx radio show we're going to take it to a commercial and we'll be right back when it's time to turn heads Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes, or go with the same color all the way around. Either way, Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum, Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking to set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, turn some heads and be able to change your bike's look on the fly, head to spokeskins.net. They don't just have spokeskins on their website. They've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale, and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines, Oversized Rotor Kit, and Front Brake Lines as well. So do what I did. Head to spokeskins.net today, place your order, and get set up to turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered.
Deft Family Gloves. Deft means showing cleverness and skill in handling things. What you want to see in football and basketball is some deft handling of the ball. Some people are physically deft, like accomplished athletes, motorsports professionals, and martial arts masters. Their movements are fast, graceful, and deliberate. Others might be mentally or intellectually deft. You could describe a beautifully written essay as deft, or talk about a politician's deft work on an anti-bullying bill. The source of deft is the Old English gedeft, meaning mild or gentle, which became deft in Middle English along with its meaning of apt, skillful, and adept. Deft family represents a united family of athletes, artists, and creative individuals inspired by the underground lifestyle. Founded by a core crew of friends, influenced by music, arts, culture, sport, faith, and fashion. We provide the essentials of the modern-day movement through a vision of free-flowing culture. Formed by motivation and necessity for change through passionate minds while remaining ahead of the mainstream, common, and popular beliefs. Hashtag Deaf Family is not just a brand, it's a lifestyle. We are deaf. All Deaf Family product and merchandise is shipped directly from Temecula, California and handled with care. So head on over to deafamily.com, explore the website and find out all things deft and become part of the deft family. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. In motocross, everyone wants one common thing. To simply enjoy the ride. Sand, clay, loam, concrete, and everything in between. Riders all want to be able to enjoy their ride. But today is arena cross. Tomorrow's Glen Helen, and Saturday, we're heading to this gnarly sand track. How can we be sure our suspension is always dialed in? For most, employing a full-time practice technician is unrealistic, and even for those who have one, setting suspension is still a chore. Get a measuring tape, scratch a mark on the fender or rear number plate, and attempt some backward math to find 105 millimeters. Does this tape even have millimeters on it? Forget that. Head to motool.co today and set your sag every time you ride with the Slacker Digital Sag Scale. Let's hear from Johnny Casebeer himself on how this thing works. So uh, really basically you would just uh, stick it on your axle with the magnet, stick the clip on your side plate basically where the arc of the axle would hit the side plate and then uh, 
pull out the retractable cable, hook it to the clip, and turn it on, and then just take the bike off the stand and, and take a measurement. It's that easy. Trust tuning your suspension to Johnny K. Spear and Motul MX. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borden today at 204-633-2722. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today. And never settle. Hey, this is Adam with Vexy MX, and you're listening to the Big MX Podcast Radio Show. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Kate Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off on the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. But uh, uh, who are some of the guys that you work with that uh, that that still ride two strokes and uh, and and kind of I wouldn't say superior, but uh, prefer uh, the uh, the simplicity of the uh, the two stroke machine? Well, for sure, Jared Stanky, but obviously, yeah. um, there's a lot more behind that, and uh, he he loves to have a good time. But uh, one of uh, tequila, one of the coolest, yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was. Uh, 
Fireball, right? At Vegas? Went after you won? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually, uh, I love that. they were just out here as well. Yeah, they were just out here as well. And, and uh, it's cool that Verb's following them through the whole year. And, and those videos are actually really cool. But uh, the uh, the coolest two-stroke guy is uh, my buddy Joey Lancaster, who grew up in Washington as well. And um, he he worked with me. I hired him to work with me for a while, and then he ended up moving on to Fox, and he's done really well with Fox. But have you heard of the 125 Dream Race? Oh, yeah, I'm going this year. Okay, so that was our idea, Joey and I. And really? The very first, yeah, we wanted to have a 125-only race. We loved them. And I had bought one uh, shortly before that. It's the same one I have. I've had it forever. And uh, yeah, YZ125. And I bought one, and, and we were out riding. And he's like, let me ride it. And then I, I can't remember how the conversation started, probably driving somewhere down the road or, or what. Um, but we, we dreamed that idea up. And, and the, I lost my finger right before the first one. It was like a month before the first dream race. <laughs> and so we had this idea. I didn't even get to ride it. And uh, he's moved gutted. on with it. And, and what's that? You're just gutted. You're just like so upset. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was sitting there just, there's a picture of me actually sitting there with a little white thing on my finger, a little bandage. <laughs> just like, this sucks. But um, he's, he's moved on and, and it's grown massively. And I, I, he's, I still try to help him out and link him up with sponsors and stuff. Um, obviously, I'm over here now. But uh, I think the very first one, there was, 44 125s in the master's class and a full gate in the amateur class and then pretty close to a full gate, I believe, in the 250 two-stroke uh, support class. So it's continuing to grow and actually a, a cool thing that's coming up. Um, so right or uh, at the national, that's one of the live ones, I think, on CBS. So there's an extra hour in between. Okay. So there's time in between motos. So there's a 125 invitational and, uh, so I got a bike through uh, Motorsport Hillsboro, yep. a 125. So I'm going to race it at PIR the Thursday before. And then on Saturday, in between motos, um, I guess we practice at noon. And then in between motos on Saturday, we're doing a 125 race. And oh, Pingree's wow. coming up. Pingree's trying to get Bradshaw out of the woodworks. And he's trying to hit everybody up. Um, so I, you don't know who's going to show up. Uh, it's an invitational, so it's only, only – uh, Fairly decent dudes, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I need to get my one twenty five there with Collier on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. My Kawasaki <laughs> with Sean Collier on it, like get him. We know what he can oh, do yeah. on a, on a five hundred. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the, the really before. funny thing is, is it's going to be. I don't even know if I'll make it to the gate drop in time, or if I'm just going to run over there and take off after because it's going to be obviously. I'm fairly confident in my, I'll have at least two guys on the podium. Yeah. I mean, all the time. You've been sweeping the it lately, class, so. by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to be standing at the podium, handing those, those guys their stuff, wearing my gear, which is going to look super goony. And, like, who Slash is this amazing. guy? Yeah, who is this guy and why is he doing that? But the catch is it's my home track where I grew up, so most of the people will know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so. I figure I'm probably going to have to do that, and it'll probably be on TV, and I'll look like an idiot, but I'll love it, and then I'm probably going to have to run to the line, and <laughs> I got my dad set up with a pit shirt, so he'll be super factory, and uh, he'll probably be standing there holding it. Um, my assumption is the gate will have already dropped, 
<laughs> no kidding. Yeah, that, we'll that's too. What you with, need to like slip, try and see if while you're wearing your gear, you should like try and see if you can slip in to do the like do an interview instead of uh, Cooper. Just be like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm Cooper Webb. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, at Muddy Creek, um, TV always comes to me to corral the guys and and you know try to try to get them and get them ready because with with the live TV, it's crazy. Like literally, they're like, we need to interview him almost before he takes his helmet off. Like it has to happen now. So she, <laughs> Georgia said something to me, and and the TV people said something to me about we got to get him now. And so they were trying to interview him behind the podium, and he walked up. So I walked up behind him because he didn't have his hat on yet, and Georgia was right behind me, and she said something, and I turned around and said, what was that? And she was she was on TV talking into the microphone. So yep. <laughs> like, she was <laughs> – I just looked like the guy trying to talk to her. No kidding. <laughs> just creeping along, so, okay, trying to get a, yeah. get a word in with, uh, with, with with Georgia Albertson. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty yeah. funny, man. Yeah, so really, I was jumping in front of Cooper on that interview. Ironically right. enough, why not? Um, but, uh, <laughs> what, what's your uh, your weekend like as far as uh, like your your prep? You're heading out to uh, Southwick today. I know when we talked text earlier, uh, you were doing some packing. What what's the entire weekend look for you from tip to tail? It sounds like it starts on Thursday. Probably doesn't uh, probably doesn't end until press releases are done on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, or Monday, but um, yeah, basically I pack Thursday night, and then uh, when when the summer gets along like this, I I fly out at six a.m. <clears throat> because thunderstorms can come out of nowhere over here on the East Coast. So I uh, I actually had two flight cancellations this year, one during Supercross, and one when I was just going to Miami for three days for a quick vacation. I lost the day, so I learned quickly living over here that it's if there's nothing late morning and it's either six a.m. or early afternoon you take the 6 a.m so i'll fly out early tomorrow go straight to the track make sure everything's okay and then uh head back to the hotel and one of my passions is running so i will every different city i'm like i'm excited it's like i'm most excited right now about running a new area tomorrow i'll go find a lake or a trail somewhere you know (laughs) exploring is one of my favorite things so that's one of the things i'm most excited about going into every weekend which it's kind of weird but (laughs) um so then Saturday, we get to the track at, uh, like, 6.30, and just basically, <clears throat> you kind of follow along with the day and everything, especially if you're writing the race reports and everything that's going on, and, and you always have to be monitoring branding and making sure the gear is right, and then, you know, somebody didn't try to slip in some gear that's not approved, which Max would never do, so it's great to have people to work with that are good like that because yeah. you don't have to worry about that stuff. Less headaches, um, the better. And then, yeah, and then, I mean, throughout the day is a lot of social stuff, Instagram and, and Facebook and, and stuff like that. And I usually try to get videos um, throughout practice to post to try to mix it up. And yeah. it's kind of just a big day of managing, but also spectating because, you know, <laughs> When it when it comes down to the motos, you really you're just watching. So, um, and then at the end, you just kind of get the guys quotes and and head back to the hotel and go to sleep and get ready to get up early the next morning to fly home. And sometimes that's a 18 hour excursion as well. You know, getting home on Sunday and then Monday is immediately race reports and 
sorting through photos, approving photos for sponsors, because we try to control everything to make sure, you know, I mean, obviously, we don't want a picture to be approved or put into an ad of one of our guys in front of a giant Red Bull banner, you know? Yeah, exactly. Basically, I have to sort through every photo um, that that we get and then go to the sponsors, go to the team and approve them. And Mondays are really kind of a busy, long, I can't believe how long I've been sitting at my computer without getting up or eating kind of day. Yeah. (laughs) And then it kind of carries over into Tuesdays because of uh, just with social. I mean, you can't just post every photo gallery at once. You know, you you kind of have to spread it out and then you – you, I read every article on, on all the major sites and post anything relevant like that. And similar Thursday is a similar day throughout the day, a lot of stuff like that and articles coming out and, and things going into the weekend. So I usually try to take Wednesdays off and, uh, that's basically my riding day, nice. but, uh, usually you work a little in the morning and then, and then I head to the track and I try to shut my brain off. Well, there you go. And uh, when it comes to uh, sweeping the podium uh, like you have been as of late with uh, Osborne, and uh, honestly, it could be any number of the star guys. Uh, sometimes it's Cooper, yeah. who now has the po- points lead. Uh, Alex Martin previously had the points lead. Uh, or or, uh, or Plessinger or uh, the, <laughs> the other Martin. Or honestly, it could be even Davalos <laughs> uh, up there on a regular basis. Yeah. But, uh, um, when it comes to handing out three hats, uh, what like uh, first of all, do you have those in a backpack, just ready to rip immediately? And uh, and the question that everyone's got, or at least the speculation, is uh, is, is there uh, is there Rockstar in those cans uh, after the race? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I just open the can and hand it to him. There you go. <laughs> that, those, those guys drink those all the time, I imagine. Yeah, I basically I have ten beverages in my backpack that are full though, so that yeah. adds weight. And then I carry about six or seven, or, well, eight or nine hats, and uh, just kind of you know they they actually I reuse them because I send the team hats and they only embroider so many with the team sponsors, which yeah. is something that we've actually been more lenient with to approve over the last few years. It used to be just Rockstar hats, so yeah. I have very few hats, and they're all snapbacks but i have them kind of set to everyone's head size and you know they 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 get on the podium and when there's three guys and sometimes there's four because if you sweep a podium overall sometimes you have a guy up there that just won a moto the second moto or or yeah on the podium in the second moto yeah you can have up to like six guys up there so i'm always prepared to have that many and and whenever there's even just three it's so hectic i mean i i literally run from guy to guy to guy to make sure that because any of them can set down the can or, or set down the hat. And I know that if they get up there on TV without one of those items, I'm going to hear it immediately. So yeah. I don't want to get that text message. So <laughs> I really just, I run back and forth until they're done with their interviews. And then I take their hats back. Yeah. Do, <laughs> so do you ever campaign. have guys walking away then, with their hat? And you're like, Hey, give me that. <laughs> yeah. All the time. And then, but there's a timing thing with that too, cause you don't want to go grab it right before someone takes a picture and then they, they get a photo in a magazine with no hat or yeah. somebody comes up and interviews them. So it, it, it's actually, it sounds stupid, but it's kind of complicated. Really. The pressure's on, then, man. Uh, Those, it's a hat yeah. game. Serious. Yeah. Seriously. It's a hat trick, especially when you sweep. <laughs> and, uh, That's wild. So then well, I go hey, back and reference, try to clean the champagne. Man after my heart right there. <laughs> What's that? I said, you, that's a man after my heart right there. You just made a hockey reference. I know. <laughs> so, um, 
just curious. Uh, I'm looking at a podium uh, picture right now. You got all three boys up there. Zacho on the far end, uh, but on the the two jerseys that are being worn on the star team, you got uh, Alex Martin, who uh, on the the logo it's the exact same jersey, like or it's it's two different colors, the exact same jersey. But on on Alex's it goes uh, Thor, Yamaha, Rockstar, Yamalube, and then on. Uh, Cooper's jersey goes Thor, Yamaha, Yamalube, Rockstar. So what happened there? Oh, somebody made a mistake. Ooh. Andy. Andy. Andy made a mistake. Really, though, we should be on the bottom on their jersey, so we, oh. we actually just gained a point there. Oh. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's so it may, have been, it may have been a practice jersey, and, and okay. I don't know. Well, no, because that's, that's in the motos. So they wouldn't be wearing practice jerseys. Nope. So, yeah, that, was, uh, that must have been Andy. <laughs> so, um, like, obviously, for a guy who probably well, you you ride a whole lot more than I do, but uh, probably don't go through stuff like the pros do. Uh, do you do you end up end up having to uh, re up your gear long before it's even uh, ready to be uh, kind of set off the pasture nowadays? Like, I get new gear before it's old. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I have I have a lot of uh, well, I, I rode with one industry stuff for like eight years so i have like a bag full of it and some of it i never even wore that's gonna which, be <laughs> just because <laughs> well i i just started wearing fly earlier this year actually okay um but uh so right now i don't have too much i just have uh three sets so but uh, i'm getting some more for the washable thing is that something where fly like they 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 barter contracts with you or or is that you just uh take you taking uh taking advantage of your great relationship with, with the great uh Max Stephens? Yeah, it's, Max was trying to get me to switch for a long time and uh <laughs> and one thing is is I I will never I'm I'm loyal, so I would never switch while I'd still knew anyone at one industry and obviously people we're moving to different companies like crazy there. And I was actually kind of eager in a sense that my last buddy left there so I could switch because it was getting hard to get the right gear or, or, you know, I, I try to kind of follow our guidelines that we ask of our athletes. So I'm yeah. setting an example. So that when they send me green gear and it has no logos on it, no name, you know, it, it's just because they don't even know what's going on and, or who it is or, you know what I mean? And so it was getting kind of to be a little bit of a struggle. Um, I definitely appreciated them for many, many years, but I was actually kind of excited to switch over to Max because I see him every weekend and he was bugging me about it for a long time. So, And actually, it turns out that's probably the best fitting gear I've ever worn. So I'm actually really pleased with, with the product itself. I, I couldn't agree more, man. Uh, I um, got the uh, pretty athletic body type, I'd say. played f- football for uh, 14 years of my life. So uh, the, wow. the thighs of a linebacker, and um, tr- a way- the waist of a, of a motocross racer isn't really lining up very well for most brands, but no problem with fly, <laughs> right. especially that uh, that new Evo pant with the uh, the adjustment in the pant. The boa, yeah, yeah, the boa in the back, yeah, that's amazing. That's uh, when when Astros knee braces went to that. Um, I still I still wear those. Um, I was really excited, and and so to try that for the first time a couple months ago. Um, it's perfect. The bow system makes so much sense in so many platforms, you know, because it, it, it hugs whatever, whatever, whatever the, you know, whatever your body or your feet or whatever happens to be. And it's, it's brilliant. I don't know why no one had done it yet. 
And who doesn't like hugs? Yeah, hugs are so positive. <laughs> so um, <laughs> between uh, yourself and the brand from uh, uh, from Rockstar, uh, first of all, why does Rockstar seem to mix so well with uh, motocross as well as vodka? And uh, and also, um, <laughs> absolutely. Um, where do you where do you see yourself and the brand going forward? Um. I, I don't know why it mixes so well with vodka to start. It, it just does. I mean, it's amazing how much vodka you can put into a glass with a couple of ice cubes and an eyedropper of Rockstar, and yeah, and it tastes amazing. <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but uh, um, as far as the brand, uh, what was the question again? I got Where I got you see your, like, why, why does it Why does it seem to complement motocross so well? They seem to uh, shake hands uh, quite well. I, I think it was the timing, and, and first of all, it's our largest property. It's what we we invest the most money in, so it's our biggest focus. So your biggest focus is always gonna sit excel if you're if you're a profitable company and and marketing is going well. Um, but I think you know with the timing of all all of the energy drinks coming in, it, it it kind of helped save the sport when it was in a bad way, and I think it just became synonymous as outside sponsors that were successful in the sport. And so I, I don't see it going away anytime soon. I, I think it's it's part of motocross now, and you know it's not obviously like Bud Light tried, and and there used to be Camel, like the the Sacramento Mile, and those are products that are so much more adult. Where we're kind of in the middle. There's still that edgy coolness, but it's you know it's just it's you're not gonna go get drunk on it. You know what I mean? It, it's still something that any of us can drink if, if we, you know, we're tired or, or have a long drive. And I think just the, the synergy with the sport is, is permanent now. And I think it's just going to continue for a long time. For sure. So um, who, who are the athletes that uh, can consume the most of this stuff? And maybe uh, uh, that was even more prevalent when, uh, when energy drinks first came out, you'd probably know uh, who are some of the athletes that are really fiend for this stuff. And, uh, and, and honestly do drink, uh, uh, a fair bit of them uh, um, over the years. Chad Reed, um, I, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, well, Chad Reed, probably he rode for what four different energy drinks in four years. Unbound, don't was like Unbound, Unbound, Fusion, Rockstar, Monster. I think <laughs> in four Rise. years. <laughs> no, just Canadian. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that just like the most Canadian uh, energy drink you can think of, though? Beaver Buzz. Which one? Beaver oh, Buzz. Yeah, it was uh, a local if, thing. It was if, really bad. Yeah. Somebody asked me what country that came from. I would immediately think Canada. Yes. <laughs> but no, yeah. Something uh, about Chad, beaver. Chad mixed a lot of things with vodka over the over the years. Yeah, he was a he was he <laughs> he was an exemplary individual with what he did and still did winning races and, and uh chad chad was fun he uh i've always liked chad a lot and i think he's a really cool guy and and i think he's turned into a really good family man and and never scared to speak his mind but i think he's a great ambassador for the sport in that sense as well and and uh it's it's been really cool to know that guy growing up in my industry years not when i was racing but um he, he's one of my favorite guys for sure Totally, like I, he's kind of a guy that I hope 
sticks around after his his racing career is, is completely done. Like I, I, I just I, I want him to be continuously making decisions and or wisecracks about professional motocross. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few guys like that that you just hope never go away. You know, when they can't race anymore, that they have to stay involved somehow. Nick Way is one of them for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I hope Nick never goes away. He's uh he's definitely one of my favorite of all time. He. Uh, <laughs> He's a funny guy for sure. Oh, for sure. Like just uh, Tuesday, he's on the P. He's listening live to the Papa Mech show, which I guarantee in the last uh, top ten, like top guys who have been, gotten a top ten in a Supercross who are listening to a live what? internet radio show on a Tuesday night, zero <laughs> other than Ch- Nick Way. And then he calls yeah, in absolutely. and he's just pumping the tires of uh, Heath Harrison, being like, "It's my boy." He's awesome. Everyone come call in and help him out. I'll match it. I don't care. Like, that's Nick Way. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Plus, he loves to give Mathis a hard time. Yes, he does. And that's, and that's another reason why we love him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that um, was... Uh, I, I couldn't believe Heath Harrison, though, actually, at Muddy Creek. I was like, what? Is yeah. he on the lead lap? When he yeah. was in ninth or eighth or ninth, eighth, I was like, is he eighth. on the lead lap? What? What? <laughs> I mean, I knew who it was. I remember watching him grow up as an amateur, and I was yeah. like, wow, I haven't seen him. I feel like I haven't seen him for years. <laughs> I think so he, uh, cool. just in that one moto, uh, um, bettered his national number from last year. Yeah, I, I'm sure he did. That's insane. Although uh, that number what? is cool. He, uh, Wayne Gretzky, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Someone you know, else said that, too. <laughs> you, you, know what, uh, you know what's actually really sad, though? Is that um, um, of course, as great as Wayne Gretzky was, there are some players uh, that are now uh, of age who uh, are playing elite hockey that never got to watch the guy play because he he uh, stopped playing in 1999. Right. Uh, there's a uh, there's a young man, but it, it plays in Calgary for a junior team. He's uh, yeah. 17 years old. Uh, he wears the number 99. Do you know why? <laughs> I don't know. And not because of Wayne Gretzky. year he was born in. Oh. <laughs> Is that disgusting? Isn't that the worst? <laughs> uh, does he know who Wayne Gretzky is, though? I, he probably knows who he is, but like, literally isn't old enough to have watched him play a professional game. Like, that's... Uh, like at least not live anymore. But um, moving on from the hockey talk, I'm sure my my fans are just like one eyebrow raised at this moment. But um, what's your best Kenny Adams story? Go, Kenny Adams. Oh man, I I don't think you can really. That's funny you bring up Kenny Adams. <laughs> he's a, he's definitely my best friend at the track, and we hang out. He's really the only one I hang out with most of the time. But I, they're they're just they're constant. For example. This last weekend at Redbud, he's standing there doing goggles, and the girls who run the the uh, the activation stuff out of our our uh, our fan fan zone semi are curling his hair. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just standing there doing goggles, like whatever, and and he he's willing to do anything. He doesn't care. He's the most laid back guy ever, and uh, yeah, we we have a lot of fun on the road and he's also a runner. So we run. And then, um, every year in Vegas, we go on something called a booze pedal. Yeah. Where 
instead of like getting on a bus and going from bar to bar, we ride bicycles. <laughs> oh, wow. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we, we ride bicycles and he lives outside of Vegas in uh, Summerlin. So it's not in on the strip, but so we ride bicycles from bar to bar and bar to bar. Uh, that was kind of funny actually. Um, but Where's so we go and play video poker and drink top shelf bourbon for free and, <laughs> and then ride to the next, the next bar and do it again. And every year I've won money. And so it's, it's the greatest time because I come home with three or 400 bucks. I rode a bicycle for five hours and drank free bourbon. <laughs> that's that, that, that's uh, a utopia as they call it. And, and you, I'm by yeah. the way, you are a runner. I, I'm fairly modest in my, uh, my, my capabilities running. I don't do it enough. Uh, my fastest mile is, is a six, uh, six thirteen. But, uh, you run a half marathon in 125. That's hauling ass. Yes. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that was a challenge from John Eric Burleson. Cause I, I had just finished the challenge where, I just challenged myself to run five miles, the first four under seven minutes and the fifth one under six, which was way harder than I thought it would be to get the fifth mile under six minutes. Um, But then he saw that and he was like, oh, try to run a half marathon with under a seven-minute average. And so that was at Glen Helen. And then I came home and on Tuesday I rolled my ankle really bad, really bad, like – a car, a car stopped on the road, like, and stared at me. <laughs> oh yeah, no. When you roll your ankle real good, like you feel like you got shot. Yeah. So I was like, no way. I'm just gonna keep going because I've rolled my ankle so many times. They bounce back quick. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up running seven miles and rolling it three more times. <laughs> you know what the worst part so, of rolling your ankle is? Knowing that what? you're going to roll your ankle very soon after that. Oh, yeah, right after. It they usually come in twos. Once. Yeah. They usually come in twos, and that time it came in a three. Ah. Crazy, man. That's insane. But, uh, James, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I really enjoyed chatting with you, and uh, I hope that uh, this gives some insight to uh, some of the fans who uh, um, really don't know too much about uh, the support level that, uh, that energy drinks can provide and uh, kind of like how deep that uh, that Rockstar is in, in entrenched in in the uh, in the sport of motocross because I know of course with Supercross it's the it's this uh, the Mo- Rock there's the Mo- Monster Energy Supercross series you see a lot right. of claw everywhere and and there's over over the years you had the dominance of the of the pro circuit team so the claws all over that thing but uh, I feel like um, it's a little bit understated how much uh, the the company and Rockstar truly love the sport and uh, I hope that the fans love them back. Well, yeah, you know what what happened was, if, if you remember in 2010, 2011, we were titled Outdoor, yeah. and that's kind of what everyone was doing, and there, there was actually a time when we were co-sponsors of Supercross with Monster, which is the weirdest thing ever, and yes. that was before, that would never, it, that was the weirdest thing ever, and I don't it's know how or why that ever happened, but we're... <laughs> Bud Light Heineken U.S. Open. We were sampling in the pits, and they were sampling in the pits. It was the weirdest thing ever. Um, but we just kind of changed our focus, and 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 to we wanted to win championships. We didn't care what banner was on the podium. We wanted to have the guy standing on top of the podium with our logo on it, 
we don't feel like the banner on the on the podium is is going to sell as many drinks as the guy winning the championship. So yeah. we focused on that and, and changed up our uh, our focus. Well, right on, man. Well, uh, I hope that uh, you guys can continue to keep the the beverages flowing, and uh, I hope that you're you're handing out no less than three hats just about every race from this uh, moment out. And uh, yeah, best of luck to, uh, to to all of your racers, all nobbies worldwide uh, that uh, that you yourself are taking care of. Look forward to meeting you in about ten days' time in uh, in Millville. Where uh, fingers crossed, I'll be able to bring my bike down there and ride. If not, I plan on uh, tagging tagging along and following you, not unlike a puppy dog. Yeah, absolutely, totally welcome. And, and if you end up getting the ride, I might want to have to take a lap too. Perfect. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 what size boots are you? Thirteen. Perfect. I'll see what I can uh, can scrounge out before I head south. <laughs> but uh, don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content. Sharpened elbows in the underground That hollow hurried sound Feet on polished floor And in the dollar store The clerk is closing up And counting loonies trying not to say I hate Checks the mirror seven minutes late The crowded rider's restlessness enunciates The guess who suck, the jets were lousy anyway The same route every day And in the turning lane Someone stalled a game He's talking to himself And here's the price of gas Repeat his phrase I hate Winnipeg A golden business boy Will watch the north end die And sing I love this town 
Then let his arcing wrecking ball proclaim Winnipeg.